With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine, only on the BetQL Network. Chiefs win, but don't cover. They win the game by seven at Arrowhead and move on to their one, two, three, four, fifth straight AFC Championship game. How about that? Five straight AFC Championship games. They'll take on the winner of Buffalo and Cincinnati. Who you got in that one, BT? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. He's a Burrow guy. Okay. I respect it. I, 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 as a Chiefs fan, would rather play Buffalo because the Chiefs have had more success against the Bills than they have against the Bengals. So we'll see. I mean, Joe Burrow is 3-0 in his career against Patrick Mahomes, of course. Coming up later on tonight, we will keep you updated with any happenings in the Giants and Philadelphia Eagles game. But let's get back into the octagon. Brendan Tobin, Jake Noaker, and yours truly, the sports machine, Sean Levine, UFC 283, the undercard is underway. We'll keep you updated on the fights. Francis Ngannou is no longer in the UFC. That's not breaking news anymore. This happened earlier this week, essentially, and really happened kind of when we were on air last week. So if you're just now hearing about this, Ngannou's a free agent. And the way that I see it is that Dana has always been judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah, he's the, whatever his title says he is, of the promotion. But he can basically do anything he wants. And that means that at some point, you've got a big ego involved. And sometimes that costs you. And I feel like that's what's happened is that his ego has gotten in the way with Francis. Saying things like Francis is not scared, but doesn't want to fight John Jones. That's just not true. I mean, I think Francis would love to get in there with John Jones. I just think that there's certain things that he wants along the way. So I don't know whose side you take. I don't know who you blame for it. But I'm still surprised ultimately that they couldn't work something out. I know you've been saying the entire time, Francis wants to box. Francis isn't happy. Francis is a man of his word, so he might not resign. And I kept kind of calling your bluff saying, no way. They all end up resigning. He's not. So it brings up the biggest question first. What's next? Like, what do you think this leads to next for Francis and Gotti? I mean, I feel like it's going to be a boxing match. I think that if you're going to do this, you do it with somebody who's going to pay the biggest boatload of money and i feel like that has to be a boxing match against one of the top heavyweights in the world whether that be tyson fury whether that be against anthony joshua or deontay wilder it has to be against one of them i i think that's you know tyson fury opening the door and saying again he's interested in it instead of fighting Usyk because alexander Usyk has been uh 
you know, I guess not great with the negotiations as far as their fight coming together. Um, that makes me believe that that's probably the biggest fight that's out there for him. It's not as intriguing to me as him versus Deontay Wilder, just because, you know, you're talking about the best power puncher in MMA against the best power puncher, maybe in combat sports. And it just feels like while I still feel like Wilder wins, at least it's going to be a fairer fight than him versus Tyson Fury would be. But yeah, my, I, I don't feel like Bellator goes after him. I mean, Bellator has got a lot of sales rumors around him. I don't feel like they're going to give him the payday that he would desire. I don't even know what their matchup would be for him there. Uh, PFL. I mean, look, you know, Sean O'Connell came on this show and talked a big game about it, but again, I don't really know. Uh, what is the move there? Then who else do they bring in to put him up against? I feel like if you're Francis Ngannou, even you know that, and I think that he does this and and boxes one, maybe two matches, and then uh, and then if he looks somewhat impressive in the first one, maybe the second one gets a lot more appetite. You make a ton of money, and then I think eventually he'll return to the UFC. All right, a lot to break down here. Um, I actually think that this is the chance to strike if you're the PFL or if you're one of these other Bellator, one of these other organizations, it's not the UFC. And we'll get to that here in just a second with the state of the UFC and why I think that. But if you've got Francis Ngannou, who is literally and figuratively one of, if not the biggest fighting free agents that we've seen in, in, in a really long time, it seems like the UFC, like I know Nate Diaz and guys like that, but let's face it, Nate's probably had his best fights behind him. He's still a big name. Ngannou might still have four or five, eight great fights to, to go, if I'm one of these other organizations, and I know you have to come up with the money for this, and Jake Paul's got some money, he's affiliated with the PFL, I get in Francis's ear, and I go, all right, here's the deal. We're going to give you what you asked for. We're going to give you just a one-fight deal, $25, 30000000 million plus pay-per-view, and we're going to find the biggest name that we can put you up against to really make a splash, like Brock Lesnar. And I know that he's under contract right now, so I don't know if that, that would technically work, but let's say it did. For the sake of this conversation, if another promotion got Brock Lesnar in a UFC fight with Francis Ngannou, let's call it in six months, they both have full training camp. That's the biggest fight on planet Earth that you can make right now. And that's how another promotion becomes relevant. So you offer Francis and Brock 2025 off the top plus pay-per-view. And imagine all the pay-per-view. I mean, everybody in the world's going to be talking about that. To me, that's the one. To me, that has much more interest than a Tyson Fury and Ngannou fight. I mean, yeah, if you if you had that type of fantasy land where Brock Lesnar was going to be able to, but like Brock Lesnar hasn't fought mixed martial arts in years. Like, and it, those are great numbers you're throwing around. I don't think the PFL has that kind of money to throw at anybody. I think that, you know, they're doing some cool things, but, you know, their pay Jake structure. Jake Paul's got deep pockets, man. Jake Paul's not, hey, Jake, my Jake, Jake Noaker, do me a quick Google search because that's always true. And find out what he's worth, Jake Paul. Because I think that he's worth enough himself that he could put up, I don't want to throw a number out there, several million dollars to both of these guys to make it appealing. Because here's the problem with these other promotions that are trying to make the come up. 30 million? That's it? That's his net worth? All right. Well, maybe not. I thought he was worth, like, significant. I don't know that. what you're talking What do you think? He's Elon Musk? Like, well, what the hell are you not, talking about? I thought I, I thought the dude had, like, 100 million in the bank. I'm not going to lie. Wait, 310. All right, Jake, you better figure this out. What is it? Thir there's a big Jake told me 300. You're making me look like an idiot, Jake. Jake typed in 30 million and then he typed in 310 million. Now I just don't know. No, you're an idiot because so you feel like you're somewhere between. You're an if idiot he's worth 310 million dollars, he needs to figure this out. He needs to get Francis and God. He needs to figure it out. Jake, 
Jake Paul, who's not a fight promoter, needs to figure out how he can pay yeah, Francis don't, Ngannou. Don't, don't belittle that guy. I get it. He's the he's the Disney guy and all that, but he also is one of the more important voices and names in fighting right now, and he's like one move away, in my opinion, from being really relevant. People like what is that move? Watch him box. People talk about him, and now that he's and tied his, to and the his, PFL, and a lot of and, and and his admitted is that a lot of his boxing pay per views have flopped. They've been bad business. Like he gets a lot of buzz. I'm not disagreeing with you. And I think a lot of the things that he is advocating for are cool, but like there's a difference between that and being able to be the biggest power broker and having Francis Ngannou in the PFL. Like it's, it's two, it, we're talking about two different avenues here. Well, we're talking about two different sports when you talk about Ngannou fighting Tyson Fury on a level of zero to May Mac, Mayweather versus McGregor several years ago. That was a five year, six year, what, dang, that is in our rearview mirror. When that happened, the whole world was watching. What do you think the public, not geeks like you, me, and Jake, but what do you think the public interest is if Nganu gets in the cage with any of those guys, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, whoever? I think it's solid. I don't think it's, uh, I, I don't think that it's, it would outdraw him versus John Jones. I think that if I had to put a number on it, I would guess like 700,000 pay-per-view buys, probably a little less than the first Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder fight did which is, you know, really good in pay-per-view drawing these days. I mean, nothing is going to be Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. Those guys were drawing over a million pay-per-view buys, basically, no matter who they fought at their highest of popularity, at their height of popularity. So I don't think it's going to be that. Tyson Fury's not as popular as Floyd Mayweather. Francis Ngannou's not as popular as Conor McGregor. But I think that if you're talking about boxing being able to come up with money and guarantees and just the allure of having an interesting fight for for uh, Tyson Fury. Um, yeah, I just feel like that's the easiest avenue. They're more used to this type of pay structure than what you're talking about, which is swooping in there and the PFL giving a gazillion dollars on a guarantee when they've never, they ventured into pay-per-view once with Kayla Harrison and it was abysmal. Like it, it drew, it drew nothing. So I, I feel like they would be, I think that, I, I think it's a cool thing to say that you're a renegade promotion. And I think the PFL does a lot of cool things, but it is a lot. I think it's going to be, I think one of the reasons the UFC let Francis blink on this is because they knew there's not an MMA promotion that's going to be giving what he is demanding. So do you agree with me that it's, so who, who you point the finger? The fact that Ngannou is no longer here, just that he didn't want to be there. Um, who am I? I think that I'm pointing the thing. I think mostly I would point it at the UFC because I feel like there is an ego thing here. I do agree with you, but I also think that Francis had his mind made up a long time ago because he sees what the best heavyweight boxers on the planet make, and he sees what he makes, and it's just nowhere close. And I think that this is a guy who wanted to box. This is not a guy who's like first love is mixed martial arts. He's not like John Jones, who has been doing this since he was, he was young and grew up in the sport. Um, and, and really has, you know, had a promotion still stick with him, even with all his controversy surrounding him. So I don't know, I would go like 60, 40 UFC's fault to Francis's. I think it's, it's a, a fairly mutual breakup I, I, because I think that the UFC is right in that, he doesn't really have another MMA backer to go to. And I think that they're probably a right that there's not the perfect boxing match out there for him too. Um, but I think Francis would rather be wrong and try and get that money in boxing that he would be, you know, fighting for what he doesn't feel like he's getting, uh, not, not getting what he deserves in UFC. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. we got about 90 seconds left. Brendan Tobin, sports machine, Sean Levine, talking a little fighting here on the PetQL Network. Where do you think, now that we're in 2023, the state of the promotion is? I mean, obviously, Dana had the bad... Uh, publicity on New Year's, and now we've got the whole gambling stuff going on. And really, let's face it, the two best, at least most popular fighters haven't fought in the last couple of years with Conor McGregor and now John. John's going to be back, but it's been a three-year layoff, essentially. We don't have a light heavyweight champion or a light or a heavyweight champion right now. It, it feels like you got to shower after you watch these fights, right? It just feels a little dirty. We did have a tough year. A lot of main events ended in injury. That was the thing. I think the biggest thing out True. of you said, the ga- the gambling scandal is the 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 one that worries you the most. Obviously, we're a gambling show, so not feeling like the sport's completely on the level is, uh, you know, is, is concerning for sure. Troublesome. Very it troublesome. was also, listen, it was also, but I think also part of the awesome of it is this was a year where we had crazy upsets and crazy dominant champions lose. And while that may not be the best for business, that is the appeal of the sport in that anybody can win this. And that's the excitement of it. I do feel like Leon Edwards knockout of Kamar Usman had people buzzing this year, like like no moment the UFC has had non-McGregor, non-John Jones in a while. Um, but yeah, certainly there's 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 some some hurdles they got to get over to have a better uh, 2023. No, they definitely have a fight on their hands. And guess who else does? You. That's right. Coming up next, myself and my co-host, Brendan Tobin. We fight right here on the BetQL Network.